Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about designing your authority circle. Well, you know I love this. <laughs> Duh. So I, I know Rochelle's, uh, shy is not the right word, but I, I think Rochelle doesn't want to overly talk about her forthcoming book, but too bad I'm talking about it. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a wild process writing a book. It's a marathon for sure. And Oh my uh, God, yes. It's a crazy amount of work, it, it, but it's so good for you. I'm so glad that you've got one finally coming out. It'll be, it, it's imminent. We're getting yes, to the point. Uh, November. Fabulous. Fabulous. So uh, I was, we were, we were talking about a bunch of things about the book beforehand. So maybe we'll do some more episodes about the fear of pressing send and so forth. But uh, today I wanted to pull out one of the, the topics that you were uh, talking to me about, which took me by surprise a little bit. I was like, I feel like we know each other, have known each other for so long. I shouldn't be surprised by anything in the book, but this one I was like, "Huh, what's that?" So, um, so dear listener, this this shows for me. I want to find out what designing your authority circle is. Cool. What chapter is this from? Uh, this is chapter eight. All right. Well, maybe I should just position the book and kind of talk about because eight is pretty far into the book. So, right. so the the title is the authority code how to position, monetize, and sell your expertise. And so the basic premise of the book is that you can't sell your expertise until you've positioned yourself accordingly. You've figured out what big idea it is that you're trying to accomplish, the the vision for the world as you see it, um, your niche, your specialty, all of that. Um, And then you've got to monetize that. And then it comes to selling. And my argument is that selling authority isn't like selling anything else. It's way easier. Um, Easier. Easier. Yeah, Mm. easier. um, Well, in the big picture, it's easier because once you learn how to publish and you're getting your thoughts, your work out there on a regular basis, your work is circulating, it starts to work on your behalf. So all of a sudden, people start to come to you essentially pre-sold. Mm-hmm. on what it is that, that you're talking about. But but in chapter eight is where we talk about something much more personal than publishing. Because publishing is, you know, you press the button, you push, 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 you're pushing it out. Um, in this chapter, I really talk about enlisting your authority circle. And your authority circle is really three circles of people. And the first one is your rat pack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the second is, yeah, is, is your apostles. And then the third one is tribal leaders. Now, notice it's not tribes, mm-hmm. right? This is a different concept, but tribal leaders. So I'll leave it there, Jonathan, and then tell me where you want to take it. Yeah, I, I want to hear about each one of these levels. So, and, uh, and what problem this solves. So what's the purpose of an authority circle? And, and then what are the different, how do you sort of categorize each one of these? Uh, levels. Yeah, well, so the, the the big problem that an authority circle solves is you have somebody else working on your behalf all the time, and you have a built-in leverage system, also an early warning system mm. um, for, for, or an early testing system, uh, depending on which group we're talking about. But this idea is when you pull all these people together, it's not that many people. It could be 10 or 20 people, it could be 150 people, but it's not a thousand. Okay. It's a smaller manageable group of people that are helping you to further your vision of the world. 
Yep. Kind of like Dunbar's vision, uh, Dunbar's yeah. village. N- yeah. Dunbar's number. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly like that. And, and I think that we're as humans, we're really wired to work with smaller groups of people. So some of this is, is natural. And I always make the argument that even if you're an introvert, you can still do this process. You just do it with fewer numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yep. so your rat pack, I'm sure there are people who've, Never heard of this. And and this was all before I was born. I just want to make that point. (laughs) But I do live in Palm Springs, so we hear about Rat Pack a lot. So Rat Pack was the guys like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr., you know, back in the day. But so what Mm -hmm. your Rat Pack is, is it's really a handful, you know, could be slightly more, but it's certainly not more than 10 of people that have your back. And these are people who are related, uh, not related to you, but related to your business in some way. So like, Jonathan, you are part of my rat pack. You are part of my handful of people that I can talk to and get, whether it's cheerleading or whether you go, oh, no, no, don't you do that Mm -hmm. uh, kind of advice. And it's a group of, I think in most cases, it's a handful of people where you're really comfortable going to them, maybe for different things. Like, Jonathan, I might not go to you if I just wanted somebody to rubber stamp it and say, yeah, this is great. Right. You know, I want to go to yeah, you I'm because you're going <laughs> no, to tell me what sucks. And, mm-hmm. and I want to hear that. And then I might have another person, actually I do, in my rep pack, who's the cheerleader is always pretty much always going to tell me it's good. And when they tell me something isn't, I know I really need to pay attention Early to warning. that. Early warning, yeah. Yeah. And so you to, to put together your rep pack, you really need to look at who you know. Yeah. Who is in, they don't have to be in your field. They could be maybe field adjacent. Like, so mm-hmm. Jonathan, when you think of your rep pack, I mean, you have like some faces come to mind, correct? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they may be from different parts of your life. And it's not about having like your mother in the group, unless your mother's in business with you. And then she's probably exactly the person to have in there. So your Rat Pack are the people, like with this book, for example, um, Rat Pack are the people that I, I asked about the title. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got some cover designs last night. I'm going to share those with my buddies and get some feedback on that. Mm-hmm. So really critical. And it's also, I feel like it's kind of a safe space. You know, these are people who have your back and you do favors for each other. Like Jonathan, if you said, I need you to do X, actually I've done this a couple of times. Like, would you tweet out this? I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course I would do that. Yeah, I'd do more than that. Um, <laughs> so, so you, you ask favors and you grant favors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of the the old quote: "A good friend will bail you out of jail. A great friend will be in jail with you." <laughs> oh, I never heard that one. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Rat Pack are like the friends that'll be in jail with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's but it's related to your authority with the way mm-hmm. I'm talking about it here and in the book. So it's yeah. the people that um, that you know, you'd want to read your stuff or comment or warn you about something. I mean, I, I've been in the habit of sometimes I'll just wake up in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning and I'll have an idea for somebody in my rat pack. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know where this came from. Write it down, send it to them, you know, pull the phone out, send it, done. Mm. So so that's your rat pack. And then you have your apostles. Yeah. And apostles are there people who are spreading the word on your vision, the revolution you're seeing for the world because they believe, Mm -hmm. right? You're not paying them to do it. You're not instructing them to do it. 
they're coming to you and they're spreading the word and these people are really important they are not limited to 12. Mm -hmm. you can have as many apostles as you attract but what i'm talking about is not just like a super fan i mean they could Mm -hmm. be but the apostles are the ones i like to think of them as they take what you do and sometimes they even make it better because they bring it back to their tribes and their tribe might be small. I mean, they might have a social media following of, you know, 30 people or 100 people, but mm-hmm. they're actively taking your stuff and they're working with it. They're interacting with you in your email. Like the, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who's always saying, oh, I like this. And have you thought about this? And then takes that out to their people. That would be an apostle. Right. Yeah. And the cool thing, and you started to allude to it there, the cool thing with this group, because I, yeah, I almost... When you when you were started to describe it, I was think, thinking like, oh, is this kind of like super fans? And there is an important difference. Apostles will occasionally challenge you. Yeah, there's this super fan, and the the difference with the apostle is that they're processing it in a different way. It might be for themselves, but it might be for their tribe, right? How they think about because if you're talking about let's say value pricing, that mm-hmm. might just be a tiny tiny piece of what their area of expertise is, or not expertise, but their area of content, let's call it that. And mm-hmm. so it impacts, but in a small way. So they really want to understand it, but then they're going to describe it differently to their tribe. Or Yeah, that's a good distinction. They're going to turn around and teach it. Yeah, they're going to weave it in differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apostles are really important. The other thing apostles do is they also can test things for you. So like if you're like when you were doing the pricing seminar and if you were worried about did the um, the buy process really work, you could get a couple of folks like this and they go, yeah, yeah, I'll try it for you. Yeah, exactly. Go yeah. through it, see if it works mm-hmm. and give you feedback. Yep. So apostles are critical. And, you know, I argue, don't worry if you don't have any right now. You, you know, you earn apostles, right? You yeah. can't go out and anoint them. They raise their hand and then they uh, they get involved. And they probably might not like to be thought of as apostles either. Um, but it's the way that you think about them in terms of how you um, decide who's in your authority circle and then ultimately enlist them in your cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, yeah. So let's talk about tribal leaders because this is where I really wanted to take a little a little detour in the book because we all talk about tribes and we think about our tribe and tribal leaders is my attempt to describe people who lead tribes who could interact with you. So um, they're the gatekeepers in a sense to their audience. And this is where a lot of what we, of of our authority might just be a slice to somebody else. And the example I want to use is we had Chris Doe on the show and, uh, and you were on his show first, I think. And so, so you were introduced with this idea of, of pricing to an audience of mostly designers and other creatives. So right. they brought you in on a slice. So he would be an example of someone who who would be a tribal leader that you would want to keep in touch with, that you would want to, you know, really enlist mm-hmm. in your bigger vision of hourly billing is nuts. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I sort of came in as a subject matter expert for just one particular thing that that is part of a huge kind of quilt of topics that they talk about over there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's this idea of um, 
befriending, getting to know different tribal leaders. And I also put a lot of journalists in this category too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you really want to um, befriend a fast company reporter, for example, then you've got to find a way to take your slice or subject matter expertise and have it apply to their audience. And so you're looking for a way to take what you know and apply it to their specific audience. And the reason that's important is because, you know, pitching, right? And I'm not talking about pitching business. I'm talking about pitching coming on a podcast, coming Mm -hmm. on a live stream, some kind of access to the tribal leader's audience. You need to know who the the tribal leader is. You need to understand enough about their tribe so you can do that match between what you offer and what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So that's why the selection of your tribal leaders is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I do um, these sort of podcast tours and, and help students in private coaching go on podcast tours to kind of like do exactly this where it's like you know what what the people you're trying to reach what shows do they listen to what other shows are out there that are that are that um that are also reaching them and i often will do that kind of intersection thing like you described with christo where like where like the thing that you talk about isn't really in competition with them because it's so specific or it's for different um, it's from a different viewpoint or a different worldview or something, or it's generally though, it's just more specific. Mm-hmm. So like, um, it's pretty common for me to have like software developers that I'm working with and, and there's loads of software development podcasts that, and ones that, uh, and then a subset of those that have guests and an even smaller subset of those that maybe talk about business topics from time to time. Cause generally a, a tech podcast, mm-hmm. software developer podcast is going to be about some, usually focused on some technology like like front-end development or React or, um, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, .NET, you know. Uh, so if, if you can find, but there's thousands, probably easily tens of thousands of software podcasts. But if you can find that subset that, that has guests and occasionally would want to have um, a conversation about maybe not the core technology, but something that's of interest to their audience, then you can reach out to them. And, it, but, and this is the point. You need to know enough about their audience to, to in your outreach, your pitch, as you called it, to connect the dots for the host to make it easy for them to say yes. Mm-hmm. And right. So it's kind of like I kind of my suggestion to my folks who are going to go on one of these podcast tours is like, you know, know the show, listen to the show, at least one episode, get a feel for the context and then essentially pre-create or design three potential episodes that would fit right in, you know? Yeah. So the yeah. host can just like get the email and be like, geez, there's a perfect show right there. It's just now I don't have to do any work. This person's a pro, obviously, and because they they are empathetic with what I'm trying to do and empathetic with what the audience wants. So it's really helpful to the host to get an email like this where it's like, wow, I don't have to worry about next week's episode now. It's done, mm-hmm. basically. This person just, I just need to set up a Zoom call or whatever and this person's just going to talk and we're going to go through this we're going to go through this episode sitting here so it's it's uh yeah it's fabulous i think it's um and in the numbers you know this this starts to get you up to your 150 number so if you've got you know 5 or 10 people in your rat pack 
And I guess, uh, what's a, what's a normal apostle number? Like 12? <laughs> <laughs> Usually somewhere between 10 and 15 is, yeah. is common. Right. Yep. And then, you know, you, you round out the rest with, uh, maybe a hundred of these tribal leaders. And, you know, I'm focused on, I just, that story was all about podcasts, which is just, but that's just one kind. Just it one. could be people that run a Slack room or a membership exactly. community or, uh, or, or whatever, you know, it could be a Facebook group or. You know, it's whatever. unlimited choices, mm-hmm. but but the other piece is that you can you can rotate on and off the list. So so let's say that you go through that. Let's use the podcast as an example. So you go through this process and you identify you know twenty podcasts that you think would be ideal, and and you start to pitch them, and some of them are like they just shut you down cold. Take mm-hmm. them off the list. Yeah. Right. Now sometimes you're going to come back to them. Like for example, maybe you don't quite have the the celebrity chops, and I use celebrity in quotes, to be on you know a particular podcast because of the caliber of the other guests. Maybe you're not quite there yet. But maybe the way and the reason why they stay on your uh, your tribal leader list is because you feel like there's still this possibility for connection. So you just give first. I mean, mm-hmm. you're giving when you're giving this content, but you do something else. Like you ask them to come on your podcast or right. you do an interview with them or you you invite them to do a thing on your Slack channel, whatever that is. Um, or maybe you just become one of their apostles because it's really yes. hard to ignore somebody who's giving thoughtful feedback on emails. I mean, seriously, even... Yeah. You know, the people we think of as celebrities in their space, they don't get that many purely thoughtful, not asking for anything comments. Mm-hmm. And after you send, you know, two or three of those, it's a pretty good chance that your person is noticing you and has, you know, captured your name. 100%. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can think of examples I don't even want to list off because I don't want people to start emailing them like randomly and expecting a reply. But, um, but yeah, it's like, it's like, I wouldn't have thought of it like that, but that's a great way to put it. It's kind of like, you know, if you're trying to make a list of tribal leaders and maybe there are some on the list that are kind of aspirational, like you're like, no yeah. way is this person going to, yeah. then becoming one of their apostles is a great move. It's a, yeah. re- a really good move. Well, you know, an example is what I'm doing with this book. So I have a list of people that I'm going to be asking for blurbs. Mm-hmm. And I, I will tell you right now, there's some people on that list that are absolutely aspirational. I really, <laughs> I'm not expecting even a reply necessarily. And, and it may well be a no thank you. But mm-hmm. you know what? There's a reason why they're on that list. There's a connection and I'm going to ask. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like making big asks. But um, yeah, but I'm going to do that because I believe in the book relative to that person's audience. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. focused on me to have the celebrity name on the book, but on what that says to their audience and and what the overall message is. I, I see a fit. Yeah, so it's, alignment. Yeah, and I love that word alignment. That's really what this is all about. And it's we always want to have aspirational people on mm-hmm. our list, right? Because if if we're not moving forward, then you know we're stagnant. You want to have that aspirational piece. But don't start with the biggest name in your space 
if you're just starting <laughs> with this, yeah, you start with your peers or one level up and, and you start to provide value, you introduce yourself, but you really, what you're looking for is this connection to their audience. That's the magic of the tribal leader. That tribal leader, whether it's a journalist, a blogger, um, a Slack channel leader, they have the keys to the kingdom. And your job isn't to get the keys. Your job is to understand enough so that they open the door for you. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, and I want to. I actually want to step back a little bit bigger picture to contextualize this, this advice, uh, because the the sections, the other sections before the show, we were talking about the other sections that sort of lead up to this one. A couple of things you mentioned were embracing your vision and what revolution do you want to lead, mm-hmm. and uh, those I I feel like I can guess what's in those sections just from having so many conversations, <laughs> and and the the. The thing that's happened, it's almost not an ask. It's almost like, you know, yes, that you want the tribal leader to open the door, but it's, it's not, it's not like a zero sum kind of thing. It's like, a, right. it's like everybody, it's win all the way around when it, mm-hmm. when it's really aligned and it's a good fit and everybody gets it. Um, I was having a conversation yesterday with, with someone about two different approaches to business. So like one, I would call like a pure entrepreneurial opportunity driven there's this this big trend coming through the market like call it blockchain or something i'm just going to jump on that and ride the wave Mm. and you'd almost have to be just an idiot to not do kind of well and you know just (laughs) you know you know what i mean it's just like and they just look for those waves and surf them Mm -hmm. and that's that is so not my approach that i almost i i almost find it confusing because it's like whatever so that's not the point the point is I was like, uh, and then my my counterpoint is kind of like, well, it depends on how long of a game you're playing because those cycles are going to be probably short, you know, or, or they're going to be a particular length. And in my situation, I feel like I'm on a, a ten or twenty year cycle on a with a vision. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And and the the opportunistic like picking a wave thing, you're always going to be dealing with competitors. You always are going to need to differentiate yourself from, you know, we're like Uber, but for dogs, like there's always, always going to be this competition because other people are going to be trying to be surfing the same wave. But when the business is oriented around a, a vision or a mission and that's, and it's genuine, you can't have competitors. Like the, the idea of a competitor doesn't make sense. Anybody that's trying to do the same thing is an ally. Yes, that's so, yeah. That's how you have to think about this. It's it is a different way. It's it's like the mindset of an authority. Yeah, I, it's like, are you trying to spread the word or not? Yeah, like it doesn't need to be coming out of your mouth. In fact, it probably won't work if it's just coming out of your mouth. Well, so if you're really thinking about making a big cultural change, you better have these you know apostles and tribal leaders who are kind of at least partially agree with the mission if not wholeheartedly and want to see it proceed or, or spread or grow. And that, so anyway, the whole reason I went into that story is because you're not taking something from the tribal leader. They're risking their reputation by letting you through the door. So you need to, ha- to build up some trust first because they don't want to risk their trust that they've created in their audience. They don't want to put that at risk. So they need to trust you first to let you in. But once they do that, then you're not taking anything. You're actually, everybody's just giving all the way around. It's value. It's like value 
cubed. <laughs> I don't know if it's value <laughs> squared or value cubed. I yeah. guess it's cubed because you have the audience in addition. So you have the two parties plus the audience. But right. it's it is all about value. And I think that I mean, if anybody listening has gotten pitches from people to be, I don't know, to do a guest article on your blog or to be a podcast guest, you've seen bad pitches. Hmm. The really, really bad ones. And the really bad ones are all me focused. They're not about the ultimate value to the audience. I sold $10 million businesses by age 30 and I have a Lambo and it's just like, seriously, dude. Oh, I had one the other day that they intended for you, but they sent it to me. So they referred to me as Jonathan. That <laughs> I got didn't one work to Jason well. recently. Yeah. Like Jason. <laughs> you didn't even get my name right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, and I guess that's the point with talking about this idea of, of your authority circle, because the other part of this is, and you've heard me say this a million times, but write it down. When you are very clear about who's in your rat pack, and that's probably the clearest thing you know at the moment mm-hmm. of those, mm-hmm. you, you presumably know who your closest buds are in your business, um, the apostles, you might have to think about that a little bit. But when you start to think about tribal leaders and you write it down, I mean, I have a spreadsheet, of course. Um, <laughs> but once you have that, what happens is you can't unsee them. So they remain top of mind, which is probably why you don't want a list of 150 to start with. I mean, it would be, if you're looking at tribal leaders, it would be great to start with a list of like five to 10 and Mm -hmm. start to think about, oh, well, let's use Chris Doe again. What would Chris Doe like for his audience? What would really be beneficial to him? And when you're looking at a name, at a list of 10 names, they're people. Mm -hmm. It's not a list of names. They're people. And you start to think about that. And in my spreadsheet, I always have a notes field so I can just jot down things. And it took me a while, but I trained myself to open that once a week and just look at it. It's like, okay, so kind of what have I done for them lately? That's kind of how (laughs) I think about it. Not what have they done for me, but what have I done for them? Right. And by doing that, it's all top of mind. And what I want to just place that in a larger context, because I believe that when you sell, in quotes, as an authority, it's not like selling regular services or products or cars or shoes. It's selling because in a different way because you've published your authority. You've built, you're building authority, even if you're just starting. But as you publish, your work is out there. Your ideas are out there. This revolution you want to lead is out there. Then when you have your authority circle, what you're doing in a very small way, but important way, is that you're connecting. I call it building connective tissue with mm-hmm. all these different people so that they're going to help you. You're going to mm-hmm. help them too, but it's all in service to this greater good, this exactly. vision yeah. you have of this world that you're creating. Right. It's, it reminds me of our, we had a conversation recently about how to keep a client, how to say no to a client and keep the project on track. Yeah. It's in service of achieving the goal of the project. It's not about um, a, a power struggle between you and the client or who's right and who's wrong. It's all about, it's in service of the, the project goals. It's a similar kind of thinking. It's just, you know, on a grander scale is like, hey, you know, this is not about, you know, what's, what's the Coach Wooden quote? Um, it's amazing how much we can accomplish if no one cares who gets credit yes so great yeah Yeah. so right it's important i think it's important to remember that in this sort of authority space that i don't know it just feels easier if it's like that it might sound harder because it's so much bigger it's like a much bigger way to think about things it's larger Mm -hmm. but it does make everything easier 
what where doesn't it make things easy uh, it it you it's tough to, you, you can't ramp up quickly I, I i can't think of i can't think of an overnight success right because like even if i can think of one it probably there was 10 years leading up to yeah, it so it just looks overnight from the outside yeah, it just appears in. overnight from the outside right well i think so. the other piece is is the list itself can feel intimidating um, mm-hmm. I worked with a client who was coming out with a book and she had this list and there were, you know, over a hundred people, 140, 150 people, something like that. And she was not going to contact a single one hmm. for the book. And I'm like, what? And her reasoning was that a lot of the people on the list, they were, they were peers in, in a similar space and they were all kind of going after the same end client. Mm-hmm. And her reasoning was, well, they're not going to help me. You know, my last book was about this other thing. So, of course, they helped. But this time, you know, I'm attracting the client they want. And I said, well, let's, let's just try one. Let's, mm-hmm. like, see what happens. And so she went through and she identified, uh, you know, I think it was 14 of those people. And all 14 agreed to help. Now, they didn't all wind up helping in the end. But what she got out of it was a couple of really key interviews Mm-hmm. Um, she got a speaking gig. Um, she got a ton of book sales that I don't think she would have gotten otherwise. But what was most important, at least for me and working with her, is that what that gave her was the courage and the confidence to go, oh, so if I had that result with 14, maybe I should talk to these other people, <laughs> right? Because yeah. we just, we cherry right. pick the best people. And so she went back and, you know, she didn't have the same result with every person, obviously, but it was a hugely successful book launch mm. because she did that. And she was shocked that all of these quote unquote competitors would help her. I said, yeah. yeah, but you've got the vision. You all have the same vision. That's yeah. what you're looking for. So you have to, when you put that list together, that's why I advise, you know, doing it organically, doing it, you know, a little bit slowly, just so it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And start, you know, another, uh, I, my advice for people that are doing podcast outreaches uh, that's sort of similar is, um, start with the ones that you're most likely to get a yes from mm-hmm. and kind of build Always. up that, that confidence <laughs> and yeah. get your, get your, um, get, I hate using the word pitch, but like get your pitch down and, you know, get, if they have any questions about your initial email, you know, that the email could be a little better. So like, kind of like practice on the ones that are probably a relatively easy. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, get some experience doing the show if you're new to podcasting and all that, and then just work your way up to the tougher and tougher yeses. Well, yeah, plus you're creating assets so that those assets can help sell the people further up the food chain. Oh, mm-hmm. listen to what they did on the XYZ podcast. Okay. Yeah. And and let's face it, when when you send that to people, most of them are not listening to the clip. No, they're not going not. to. They want to know that it's there. Mm-hmm. And if they listen to it, 30 seconds tops. Tops. Yeah, yeah. you just want to hear for the, like, if, if you've think you're going to click with the person that's what i do like yeah if i just i just as soon as i hear somebody's voice i'm like okay i i, I know one way or the other that, well it's that's very... how i got into your rat pack <laughs> <laughs> yeah right we had a skype call way yeah. back when skype was a thing yes all those years ago yeah man that's a good example of somebody that did not follow the trends <laughs> cool okay so i am super excited to get a a secret advanced copy oh, of this yes. book and, that's uh, see now let me just point out that's what you do with people in your rat pack yeah <laughs> and i'm not saying it's not scary to give my copy to jonathan because i haven't given it to anybody other than my husband and my editor yet but i'm not really scared because 
I really want to hear what he has to say. And I don't expect it's going to be, oh, this is perfection. He's probably <laughs> going to say, well, why didn't you talk about this? Or why didn't you talk about that? But I want that. I want to hear that. And that's, it's just another example of your Rat Pack. And I will do mm. exactly the same for your next book. Excellent. I look forward to it if I ever get around to finishing it. Oh, you will. <laughs> Listen, if I can finish a book, you can finish a book. Oh, uh, yeah. I just, yep. Yep. It's good. Good. Uh, the um i'm like the excitement that i have for yours is sort of like infecting me so i'm like okay i love writing i don't know why i don't know why i don't do it i love doing because it. books are hard yeah that's right i, I yeah. like doing the i like doing the the shorter stuff like writing songs like we were talking about before the show mm-hmm. or like a daily email it's like so much fun to just have this little like like puff of creation and then but it's you know it's a sprint those are easy sprints are easy for me yeah, this I, marathon's I, like oh. Well, and it's yeah, it's not even just that it's a marathon. I mean, it is in the sense like I think of it the physical sense, but it's mm-hmm. the it really does test people in our kinds of professions to see if do our ideas hold together. Yeah. Right. Can I write a book? Because I mean, anybody can write a three hundred word post about their stuff, or even a three thousand word post. But mm-hmm. you know, thirty, fifty thousand. 75,000. Don't worry. It's not that long. Um, that's, that's harder and it's challenging and to hold things together. It's by the way, it's why I definitely recommend having a really experienced, candid editor. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that this time around because all my self-published books previously were either essays or, um, something that I got the, the audience to proofread, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but a, a really good, the, the next one, the one that I'm working on now, Ditching Hourly is going to be the name of it, is is like it needs, yeah, it needs another person who's really experienced to go through and be like, because I've got so many of these disconnected ideas from emails and stuff. I, I know each individual idea holds up because they've been tested, but do they hold together? Like, how do I create that, yeah. that flow from, you know, a bunch of otherwise disconnected ideas? So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that person's name. Well, yeah, and that's that is why I invested in what's called a developmental edit, which really what they do at that point is they step back and say, "Is this a book? Does it hold together? What's missing? What works? What doesn't?" It's a very big picture view, and the right. the challenge and the reason why I wanted to invest in that is that I can hand this manuscript to my rat pack. I could hand it to some friends who have written books, but they're not going to look at it the same way. I wanted somebody that was completely separated from it and did that for a living. Yep. Um, yeah, it makes all the difference. It was really, really helpful. So I've I've sent mine off for copy editing. That's the stage we're in. And fingers crossed, we'll have that back in a week or so. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I could talk shop all day about books, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, was, our listeners might not want to hear it. <laughs> yes, might not be excited about that. All right. Well, that's it for this time. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for The Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.